Hi, and welcome to my post podcast on how high VIX could go. And it is in some ways a follow-up to the post I put out on yesterday, whether it's a good, is it a good time to short part two. Um, and what we're going to talk about here is something I meant to do earlier this year. I've just been busy. Um, and relates to a product uh, that I've been talking about for a while called Auto Callables. For those of you who are not familiar with them, they're a retail product designed to generate yield. They've become very popular in low interest rate environments and essentially what they do is they sell equity volatility uh, to generate yield um, now historically speaking they have tended to be extremely negative for wealth generation um, the reason for that is that what they tend to do is they take vol and they transfer fer it from an observation on the market to something that actually moves market independently of what we typically consider things like earnings or interest rates and other other factors like that. Um, and so what this this podcast is is sort of talking about is that the VIX uh, is an observation of sort of risk or risk tolerance. And where it comes from, for those who aren't familiar, is it takes the average of the implied volatility of short-dated options around the S&P. So the higher the implied volatility means the more likely traders think that the S&P is going to be volatile. And as a rule, volatility in, in financial markets always implies downside volatility. Uh, be, not, not always the case, but in general, people are very uh, dis, dislike downside volatility and, and love upside volatility. So typically when the VIX is going up, it means people are worried more about downside volatility than upside volatility. Um, and so in the first chart, what I show is basically high yield spread, which is another measure of risk, has historically moved quite closely to with the VIX. And what we can see is ever since the central banks went supernova on uh, QE uh, and negative interest rates from 2016, uh, high yield spreads and vol, vol have became, been very contained with the exception, of course, of COVID. Uh, where they weren't even, where they've, where basically we've gone supernova on, uh, fiscal spending. Now, most of you, uh, listening to this, I'm assuming are relatively sophisticated, probably remember the XIV ETN. Uh, this was an ETF that was short vol. And so again, um, you know, what I'm looking at, what I'm talking about here is that showing volatility can be incredibly lucrative when it's backstopped uh by uh central banks as it was from 2016 through to 2018 but in 2018 and it seems like a different era you know the fed was starting to remove liquidity from the market talking about raising interest rates and suddenly this short vol etf went to zero virtually overnight um and so you know what you can see is these products are dangerous uh, in a properly regulated proper, properly maintained free market they wouldn't exist but we're well past, well through those era into a much more government-controlled type of market. Uh, the issue now, and the issue I'm struggling with, is whether the volatility, sorry, the inflation that is now coming back into markets means the central banks and governments decide we go back to free market pricing. And if they do, then these volatility products will need to be dealt with. Now, the single biggest market globally for volatility selling is Korea. Uh, no one really knows why. Uh, I have my suspicions, but that's just the way it is. It used to be Japan for many years, but people lost so much money uh, on selling volatility in Japan that they eventually got 
banned uh, and, and investors didn't like them. Uh, the great thing about Korea is we get a lot of transparency on issuance and also on markets that they're using. Uh, and we've created or I've created a, a database that looks at the issuance of uh, Korean order callables, which I provide here in the post. What you can see is the issuance of Korean order callables tends to go up as volatility is low and tends to collapse when volatility spikes. And the reason for that is most order callables are rolled over. So if they don't lose a lot of money, they just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. And so the issuance goes up and up until there's an event where you've lost a bit of money or you're worried and then the issuance drops off. Now, what is intriguing about these products is that when you're selling them or when they're being issued, they actually put downward pressure on volatility. And when people get nervous they, and don't buy them or even redeem them, it puts upward pressure on volatility. So what it does is it takes volatility, which used to be just an observation of what traders feel about markets, and almost makes it a part of the market. And so it's possible for markets to fall because volatility is going up. Which will be independent. So it's it's almost like the relationship has changed. Now uh, the, the the sort of the flow of that relationship has changed. Now if you look at the Korean uh, all the callable data that I've put up there, you can see that in 2015 there was a, a big collapse in all the callable issuance, which really took a uh, you know a good number of years to recover, um, and that was driven by the collapse in the HSCI, which fell 40% peak to, to trough in 2015-16. And at the time, the Korean, for the Korean all the, ball, all the callable market, the HSCI was the, um, most popular market for, for issuing all the callables. And so as that market fell, all the callable issuance dropped and the, the volatility in the HSCI uh, went up very, very high, which then caused HCI to fall more and so on and so forth until all those products were taken out. And so you then actually got a reasonable buying opportunity in HSCI once all the volatility had spiked and all the order calls were taken out. Uh, but it's been a market that's generally gone sideways. Um, the interesting thing as well is the losses that they suffered in HSCI has meant that there is no longer a really very popular market for Korea. The much more popular markets are the S&P uh, and the Euro stocks, which is what makes us much more interesting now to look at this data. So what we could see potentially, um, and when we get next month's data, will be interesting, is whether the spike in volatility that we're seeing now is going to be followed through and become something even bigger. So if the HSCI is a model um, for what we could see, and there are a lot of similarities. The reason the HSCI did so well in 14-15 was a government-led uh, uh, liquidity rally. And as that liquidity ebbed from the market, the market started to fall, volatility started to spike, and we saw a huge collapse uh, in the HSCI uh, as markets adjusted to that much higher vol. And again, in the States, you know, I just added this in. It's another chart that I've had for a long time. When we look at short interest in the States, uh, is collapsed back to all-time lows, probably. Uh, what we have here is two different charts that are sort of spliced together. Uh, one is uh, the New York Stock Exchange short interest as a percentage of total shares, and then the second one is total short interest divided by U.S. market cap. Um, so they're not like for like, but they give reasonably similar 
uh, interpretation over the era, era where they were both existing, which is 2007, 2012. But again, fit in with what I would assume is that uh, the, the COVID rally of 2021 really drove a lot of short sellers out of the market, you know, given the sort of shenanigans that went on with things like GME and AMC, you imagine short interest would be very low. And so, you know, coming back to a chart I used yesterday, the problem you've got for equity investors now is that, you know, the high yield, which is really supporting the market, which I showed yesterday's post, is now at levels that make no sense. You're not even getting, you're getting very low interest rate. It's below inflation. Uh, you're not being compensated for the amount of debt in the market. Uh, you're not being compensated for any sort of forward risk. So it's completely reliant on the central bank's continuing to say inflation is not an issue, despite it being at, you know, 30, 40 year highs. And so you got a real issue is that if the central banks do step away, the uh, combination of very high levels of auto callables, you know, and very, very low uh, yields on corporate debt mean volatility could spike much higher. And, you know, the risk now, if we take the HSCI example, uh, is that you know you get a thirty to forty percent drawdown in the S and P from here, um, and so you know it to me you know risk reward markets it, it looks very unattractive at the moment. Um, and I would like to see before you know you get, people get engaged in markets would be a significant decline in all the callable issuance in Korea and a much higher level of volatility, uh, and and you'd probably also want to see a big drop down in US CPI. If you don't get those things, then, you know, I would suspect U.S. equities continue to struggle going forward. All right. Thanks for listening uh, and talk to you soon.